coming down from Mount Sinai holding two boxes of cereal. I'm Meredith Van Harn, and this show has everything. Dangerous home appliances, amateur carpentry, so much cake. And our main topic today, Easter. We have had a religion show on the back burner for a while, but we couldn't figure out a way to get psyched about it until we remembered that it's time for Cadbury eggs, which personally I pray for every day. (sighs) Joining me today to discuss our religiosity by way of Easter traditions are two of my favorite co-hosts who weren't busy tonight in Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, approaching eight crazy nights of a gas leak. It's Anne Lundholm. Hi, Anne. <laughs> Hi, Meredith. I'm glad that I made the cut tonight of someone who's not busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all it took. Um, and in Garden View Studios in Albany, New York, coming to snuff out the candles, it's altar boy Bobby Pape. Hey, Bobby. Yes, and. <laughs> Sorry, like, that was a conversation from before the show started. Maybe we will explain ourselves in the intro. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. (laughs) Whoever edits this. Um, Today on the show, we've got some small talk, including a couple types of dangerous home repairs, uh, an update on the final Munchie Madness Showdown. We're going to read about 10,000 of your favorite cakes from our last question of the week. Uh, Medium talk is all things Easter and religion. Then we've got some Tishi recommends for you, of course, and we'll let you know how you can get involved with the show. First up is small talk, though. Anne, do you want to update us first, what, on the head-to-head cereal showdown that's coming up? Yep, this is going to determine which boxes you bring down from Mount Sinai. So Yes. <clears throat> so this is the the important, it, it all came down to this. This one's for all the marbles, folks. Sports fans, it's come down to this. <laughs> That's as far as my old-timey sportscaster impression goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the final matchup of our Serial Munchie Madness Bracket Challenge. The competitors, as you will recall from last week's show, were Cinnamon Toast Crunch versus Frosted Mini Weeks. Frosted Mini Weeks? Frosted Mini Wheats, which I could eat for weeks. And the results are in. The winner. Okay, um, Zoom is telling me low system resources may affect your audio quality, and it's over the results. We'll just turn that off. (laughs) You sound great. (laughs) Sound good to me. All right. The winner of the Tishi Munchy Madness Cereal Bracket Challenge. <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch with 67.6% of the vote. Handily yes. defeating Frosted Mini Wheats. Was it really a surprise? No. I think the Frosted Mini Wheat people came out more strongly than I expected, simply because I am not a mini wheat eater. But Bobby, maybe maybe you knew all along that they had this run in them. I mean, I'm not surprised. I think a lot of people like me have childhood memories of parents attempting to hi- to buy healthy cereal, even though it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Shredded mattress filler. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it does look like it came from the pet store, now that you mention it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised at all. Even though I can't recall the last time I had a bowl of our winning cereal, now I'm probably going to have to go buy another box. I know. I, it's only a matter to, of time. I'm yeah. trying to not eat carbs. <laughs> this is not Good helping. Luck. But why, Bobby? Why? 
Uh, because summer is coming in, and I need to get back into my bathing suit shape. That's true. And, and right now, bod. the only bathing suit shape I am is from like the 1920s. <laughs> the, like I should be carrying a giant barbell on each each hand. And ah, past your belly button. Yeah, wool stripes yeah. are just so comfortable in summer. I plan to not show my ankles this summer. So Ooh, same boat. it's about time you got modest. Yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Who makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch? And are we going to get a sponsorship for this? That's what I want to know. General Mills? And no. I feel pretty, I feel less confident in the General Mills than in the no. I just Googled Cinnamon Toast Crunch and it said, did you mean Cinnamon Toast Crunch frosting? And I didn't, but now I definitely do. Excuse me, what? I know. Oh, Betty Crocker makes it in a thing. I bet it's nasty, but I... If you made it at home, it might be good. Yeah, this oh, is it contains time. one cup of crushed frosted toast crunch cereal. Frosted toast crunch. Uh, yeah. Maybe Betty Crocker. Is, is Betty Crocker not a General Mills brand? We're going to find like... out. They're all owned by InBev. Yeah. I would think if they were under the same umbrella, they would have no problem specifying Cinnamon Toast Crunch yeah. as a brand. But they're probably all owned by um, what's the tobacco brand? Philip Morris. Yes, sure. Every food brand yeah. is. Well, oh. More investigation required, but that sounds delicious. Yep. I mean, de- you're right. Delicious if you were to make that at home. Disgusting if you were get it out, out of a tub. Mm-hmm. So. How's everybody's? How long did everybody's cake last? By the way, I still need to make my angel food cake. But now that we're talking about frosting, mine lasted six days. I think disciplined. Um, not that long, I don't believe. I ended up taking it eventually and putting it into the fridge to extend its life. But it didn't hurt it at all. Like it didn't. But it's gone now. Yeah. Well, so much for not eating carbs. I need to make mine. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Still. Yeah, it's you do. It. I was thinking about making another one for Easter, but I'm not sure. Mm. I, I mean, I, angel food cake or shortcake is my go-to for Easter, but, you know, you like to branch out. I just don't have any ideas right now. Well, and, you could you could roll some sort of rock in front of it and then clear it away at Easter and be like, Jesus is not in the cake anymore. It's an Easter cake. Okay, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to work it into the theme of the holiday here. I mean, Pretend yes, the body and. of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> mm, the body of Christ tastes so good with a little whipped cream and some yes. strawberries. <laughs> mm, wafer talk. Maybe you didn't laugh at my joke because you're still high on gas fumes transition. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> the master of transitions. I've had a week, guys, and the two of you know some of it already, but not all of it, (laughs) as we were talking last night, but um, I barely made it till noon today, and the only thing that kept me going was that I had a one o'clock meeting with my boss, and I just told her, I'm done after this for the week. I got two personal holidays that I'm taking tomorrow and Friday and I'm taking a nap once we get off the line right now and she was like yep you go do that Aaron uh so 
this is going to be a whopper of a tale, guys. I'll do my best to keep it to the pertinent information. And the pertinent information is that last Thursday, which will be Thursday a week ago when this drops, I started smelling gas in the house. Uh, not the farty kind of gas, the natural. I guess the farty kind of gas is the natural <laughs> kind of gas. Yeah. The the yeah. the natural gas utility kind of gas. Actually, the reason that I smelled it was that we recorded on Thursday night, and then I was like, eh, I don't want to go to the gym. I'll just do a workout at home. So I was like doing push-ups or you know my approximation of push-ups in the living room, and I smelled gas sort of faintly to that point when you're like. Is it gas? It's not gas. I think it could be gas, but it's probably not. Could it be? No. Because it wasn't that strong. I figured if you smell gas, you know it's gas. And I wasn't sure. But this went on for two days of me going, is it gas? No, it's not gas. Well, it could be. And finally, on Saturday afternoon, I was so anxious and afraid that I finally just called the gas utility and they sent the inspector out, and he used his little box with the um, wand on the end called the gas sniffer. And he said, oh, yeah, you have a gas leak in your fireplace, which, Meredith, you found instantly familiar when I was telling yeah. you that, right? Because you I've had, had the same exact thing. Yeah, the same exact thing in that the leak was behind the valve, so you couldn't turn the gas off at the fireplace because the leak was before you got to the turnoff part. Yes. So he went into the uh, utility room and put a shutoff valve on the line to the fireplace back there. So you can just turn it off there. And it's fine. I never use the fireplace anyway. Um, so I can get that fixed at my leisure. That's great. Gas leak gone. And then he said to me, oh, by the way, you have a gas leak in the furnace as well. The sniffer picked up a leak here. So I'm going to turn your furnace gas off as well. And I said... I'm picturing a, a robotic bloodhound, like it's sniffing at your fireplace, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. good boy, good boy. And then it just starts running across the house. Well, and it made kind of sense to me, too, because I had smelled gas more strongly, but never super strong in the living room. But then I kept getting whiffs of gas on and off as I would come down the stairs from the second floor and that's not really near the fireplace but it is it that is the wall that abuts the utility room so I thought I must have just been smelling that on and off very very faintly but whatever so I called the my HVAC plumbing heating cooling company on Saturday night and they said yeah absolutely we can come out tonight and if we find a problem that's not covered by warranty it'll be a hundred and eighty nine dollar emergency trip charge plus the repair and if we wait till monday regular business hours since you are a platinum member of our happy homeowner club <laughs> we would waive that that trip fee and i said i can wait till monday it's mild it's gets into the mid 30s at night it's fine so then my new best friend chad came on monday and I was quite cold by then. And he got all his stuff out and he looked and he looked and he looked. And he said, you do not have a gas leak in your furnace. And that the sniffer, gas sniffer tool sometimes gives not false readings, but because it had been like sniffing around in the fireplace where there was a leak, there was probably some gas residue 
left on the sniffer. And that combined with the trace amounts of gas that are going to be in the furnace, just as a matter of course, it registered as a leak. And he said, but I went through, I looked at all the gas fittings. I checked over everything just to make totally certain that you don't have a gas leak and you're fine. And I said, great, how much do I owe you? And he said, nothing. And I said, are you you sure? And he said, yeah, because you just bought this furnace from us recently and you paid a lot of money for it and we want you to be happy and feel secure. And I said, and that's Mm. why I continue to give this company my business. Oh, yay, everything resolved and feels better. The sickening feeling in the pit of her stomach goes away. And then a couple of hours later, I went to take a shower and I thought, huh, this water is not that warm. I wonder what's happening. And I went down and I looked and the flashing indicator on the water heater was off. And I got down there and I looked and the pilot light was off. And I thought, huh, that seems awfully coincidental. And so I relit the pilot light and it was not easy. It took like three or four times to and and three or four YouTube videos to get the pilot light back on and it fired up and it seemed to be running great. And then a couple of hours later, I went back down to look at it. I had been checking on it approximately every 45 seconds (laughs) for two hours going down being like, is the light still on? Is the light still on? Is the light still on? And I came down and the light was not on. And I said, well, fuck this, and turned the water heater off and turned the gas off and called the heating, plumbing, cooling company. And my next best friend, what was my next best friend's name? Dustin came this morning at 7 a.m. and replaced the thermocouple in my hot water heater and charged me $500. But, you know... Uh, the working theory that I have is that there was sort it was sort of on its last legs anyway, but then having Chad in there kind of um, stirring up the dust and, you know, getting into all the nooks and crannies, just maybe a wire got jostled or something that pushed it over the edge to the end of its natural life. So Dustin replaced that. I was pondering on the idea of sales tactics, not like bad sales tactics, but you know, so they always work up three options of work for me. And they were like, okay, well, we could replace the thermal couple and that's $500. Or we could do this next level up and that's $1,300. Or we could do this next level up, which is $1,700. And so you go, oh, oh, I'll take the 500. So instead of being like, man, $500, you're like, Oh, thank God it was only $500. I, I, I think it's psychological Clever. warfare is Can what I, I think. I'll yes hand this with something. <laughs> um, when we do donor envelopes, like the kind with the form on them and you fill it out and you check the box and you write your name, I always make sure that there is one outlandishly high number. <laughs> so like the top box will be like, check here to put your $5,000 gift in this envelope I just mailed you with no personalized pitch. Because that way, the $1,000 box doesn't seem so extreme. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, every time. That is why that top number That's is smart. there. I'm so excited that I worked this out for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I understand these sales tactics. So anyway, 
Dustin left and I was $500 poorer. And then to cap this all off, by coincidence, I had someone scheduled to come out and do the AC tune-up today. Even though it's 46 degrees out, you know, they got to get, <laughs> they, they got a lot of AC units to service before we get to summer. And so uh, my other next best friend, Josh, also came out to my house this morning. And there is thankfully nothing wrong with the AC as far as he can tell. So that's a relief. Yep. In the past week, I've had four different people, trades dudes in my house looking at problems, diagnosing problems, fixing problems, and I cannot handle all this human contact. And more importantly, I cannot handle all the anxiety. We did that show on anxiety uh, and have been reflecting on it a lot as first my my nose went on high alert as I walked around for two days going, what do I, is that, is that gas? Do I smell gas? Is it gas? Is it gas? Is it gas? Is it gas? And then two days uh, glancing at the thermostat, which was off and realizing how often I glance at the thermostat and every time being reminded that I have no heat, you have no heat, you have no heat. And then running down to check on the water heater and then being like, did I, did, was, was, it looks like that's the gas line to the water heater. Did I turn off the right thing? Did I turn off the wrong thing? Is gas slowly seeping into my house? Am I going to die? I was, <coughs> I was at my mom's last night. I went to my mom's to take a shower and then she fed me dinner. Thank you, mommy. Uh, <laughs> she was saying, you know, you, you have to try and get a grip of your more rational self and say, well, what's the worst that could happen? You spend some money. And I said, no, the worst that could happen is that my house could blow up. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's true. I've had this too. And you feel like you need to walk around with like, you know how the, the perfume people have like little dishes of coffee beans to clear like the scent so that you're fresh for the new one. Like, I always feel like I need to do that. Like, I need to, to, to reset my nose so that I'm not making myself smell right. gas yes. that isn't there. And even you get so traumatized afterwards with the AC servicing. He's turning on the air conditioner for, like, the first time in six months. And there are those, you know, it always smells a little bit when you start up a mechanical system. Like, it smells old or rusty mm-hmm. or musty or something. And I'm sitting here like, is that normal? Is that is that that's not gas. Is it normal? And I, like, I just, like, I can't, my, I don't know, adrenal system can't handle any more of this freaking out about this life or death potentially things. And I read all about, um, like, how do you measure the size of a natural gas leak? Because the utility guy left me a big, like, red tag with all kinds of stuff written on it to give to the technicians. And it said that the fireplace had a gas leak of 45 LEL. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? What's 45? The furnace was 8 LEL and the fireplace was, I was like, what's an LEL? LEL stands for lower explosion limit. (gasps) What? Yes. And the number is a percentage. So it's between zero and a hundred. And so 45 LEL means you're basically 45% of the way to having enough natural gas to ignite an explosion. Whoa. 
Oh, that's scary. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> you know that already. Mm-hmm. Oof. Well, I'm glad you didn't explode, Anne. Not yet. Clark. Who knows? Yeah. And then, God bless him, Josh, the AC guy, said, how long has it been since you've had your ducks cleaned? Oh, God. <laughs> and left me the proposal for the deluxe duct cleaning package at only $878. You know, I've never had that done. And part of me wonders if it's a scam. But I also kind of wonder if I should at least do it like once. Well, I think the $878 package is a bit excessive. I think you can get it for a lot cheaper than that. But I know that's one of the things that the inspector mentioned when I moved in. He said that there was still construction dust in the vents meaning that it had never been cleaned and it was 15 years old. So I had that done when I moved in. But honestly, I think I'm a little traumatized by that too because I scheduled the duct cleaning like the day after I closed on the house and the day before I moved in. I figured it was better to do it, you know, while there's no furniture, right? Mm -hmm. seemed easier. And he came at 8 a.m. on a Saturday and their trucks, I don't know if they have like a compressor or something in there. It was so fucking loud, like, and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't even met my neighbors and they hate me at 8 a.m. on a Saturday for like 45 minutes. This thing is running. So I haven't done it since. And you've never talked to the neighbors since either. (laughs) Well, that's not that far off the truth. (laughs) I would say I have cordial but not close relationships with my neighbors. (laughs) Also, the best part is Chad, Josh, and Dustin are all on the same paintball team, and they're talking about you right now. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I have a favorite electrician, and his name is also Chad. (laughs) They're all so nice. He was a little young for a Chad. I thought Chads were, like, mostly in their 40s by now. But, you know, I guess it's it's a name that endures. Not now. No, yeah, nobody's well. naming their little boys Chad at this no. point. But Chad, we, Chad and Karen are being pushed out. Yeah, for, yep, yep. yeah. Chad is the bully in an '80s high school movie, right? Yeah, he, that fits. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of yeah. how I feel about it. But this Chad yeah. was not a bully in high school. I can tell. So these are the men in my life. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, so that's that's where I'm living right now. Everything is A-OK, except for my mental state. I plan to sleep a lot the next four days and maybe regain my equilibrium. Yeah. Meredith, do we dare tell? And the big secret, which is that we are a hallucination she's having right now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Never. Uh, how long has this gas leak in the fireplace been going on? <laughs> And I know this anxiety feeling so, so well. And I, the, the closest thing I can compare it to is when I had the leak in, from the balcony. Yes. Because every time it rained for like a year, I would get this fear response where I was like, is it going to start again? Is it going to leak? Is it going to, do I need to go downstairs to the kitchen and check? Because my that tarp? night, yeah, that night that was the, the worst night where it was just pouring through. I went down at every half hour, like all night long. I didn't hardly sleep at all. And it's hard to kind of recover from from something like that. But it does get, hashtag it gets better, I promise. Oh, good. You'll feel better soon. Well, I mean, it, to continue this tiresome discussion right now, and now at this point it's getting like we're just working through my own emotional issues. But I've had so many problems with that furnace, you know, for the last couple of years and the thing where it was tripping off all the time. And I learned how often I reflexively look at the thermostat 
every time I'm in the vicinity because when the furnace was turned off, so the thermostat was blank, every single time it was like a little shock to the system. And it was constant. I'm like, look at the thermostat, look at the thermostat, look at the thermostat. And I'm pretty sure that, like you said, that's residual from the last issues that I had that I have not clearly resolved yet. Mm Mm-hmm. So, dear God, please let this be it for the year. I would like to be done with it, but I'm fine. I'm fine, TM. It's fine. Um, Meredith, let's talk about your house uh, issues. You've gotten into a new hobby? I have a new hobby, and it's actually kind of, it's become addicting. So, I think I've mentioned before that my house has original wood floors, and this house was built in the late 1920s. So, they're old floors. And a lot of stuff in this house has been fully neglected, uh, including the floors. And when before they sold it to me, they did like a cursory, let's make the floors look nice. And I think they sanded and refinished them. But they like slopped the, the, the uh, stain all over the baseboards. And they did a pretty terrible job Ugh. with a lot of things. And they didn't do any like structural repairs. So they're extremely squeaky. And I can live with that, and I know that that's just how old houses are, and just any house has floor squeaks. But it was getting to the point where, like, if Gregory gets up in the night, I'm awake because it's like, you know, every step to the bathroom or whatever is is so, so loud. And it was, like, starting to drive me crazy. Plus, I'm here all the time. I never leave. So it's just every time I move, I hear that, and it reminds me, and it started to get under my skin. Um And I had been told before that the only way to fix that is to just replace the floor entirely. And I was like, that is a huge task that I'm not prepared to do right now. Mm -hmm. Like the whole house is wood except for the kitchen and the bathrooms. Um, So that it would be a nightmare. It would have to, we'd have to move out temporarily. And I'm just, I I was like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better way. So I YouTubed and I, I I online shopped my way to this thing called like Squeak Away. It's got like eight <laughs> E's in it <laughs> and it's a little kit. And what it is is these special kind of screws that snap off underneath the level of the wood. And and the reason, there's a couple of reasons for squeaks. Um, I also have watched many YouTubes about floor wood floors now. So I'm ver- well versed on how they, how they function. And a lot of times it's because the... The, the floorboards have kind of pulled away from the subfloor and you can basically reattach them and keep the, the existing nails from squeaking every time you put your foot down on them. And one of the ways you can do that is if you have access to underneath the floor, which I do on the first floor in the basement, you can, you can throw some screws in from the, from the below. But on the second story, you can't really do that because I've got drywall on the ceiling. Sure. So, um, I was like, how am I going to do this? And so this kit solves that problem. And what you do is you drill a pilot hole into the floor where the squeak is. And then you drill this special screw. And then it's got a little tool where you, you, you cover the, the, the wood screw and then you like yank it back and it breaks the screw off underneath the wood. And then you're left with this tiny little hole that you can fill with wood putty and then put stain over it. And the squeak is gone. Wow. It's amazing. Sometimes, some of the squeaks take several. Like the first YouTube video I watched, the guy had to do six holes in the floor for one squeak. And I have a couple like that, but f- some of them have been fully solved with one screw. 
Um, and it's like addicting because I'm like, okay, I can get rid of this one and now I can get rid of this one. And so I've got this box with my little, with my drill and my, uh, the <laughs> screws and I've got post-it notes. <laughs> so my floor is covered in post-it notes right now because that's how I indicate to myself, um, where Smart. they are. Or and full, beautiful mind. It's, it's insane looking. Yeah. It, it does look pretty bonkers. Um, but it serves a dual purpose because once I have the hole drilled and it's filled and I've stained it, I want to cover it a little bit, but not so much. So I bend the, I, I kind of half fold the sticky note and cover it like a little hat so that I know not to step on it, but it still has some airflow so it can dry. So I feel like I've gotten this down to a science and now I'm like addicted. I'm almost out of these special screws and I need to buy some more. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a miracle cure and I'm really happy. You can sort of see the spots if you look at this, you know, if the light is shining on the floor at a certain angle, but I don't care. I don't care about that. So, yeah, you need the house livable mm-hmm. more than right. anything else. And as long as it's not like a big blotch. Right. Cares? Nobody's coming to my house and staring at my wood floors from an angle <laughs> in the sunlight, I don't think. And you're judging. Not, you're not entering the 2022 f- flooring competition? Beautiful wood floor competition? No. Um, and honestly, this might be like floor hospice. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. Like, I think after this, there's nothing else to do except mm. rip it all up. But this is a very good, like, halfway solution. So... I'm very proud of myself, and I think, and you, you were an amateur, what, electrician, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think we need to join up in, with our new trades, our new amateur trades. So totally. you can be the electrician, I'll be the carpenter. I think Bobby, that's you're going to have to come up with something. <laughs> I'll well, figure something out. I was just going to say, I, I think a women-owned and operated uh, utility construction trades type business would be a great thing. Yeah. A, a no, yes. no boys allowed deal. Not necessarily because we don't like boys. We love you, Bobby. You could work in the office. You well, can, I was just going to say, I could be the receptionist. The yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I think there's definitely a market for that. For, I mean, the people that I have dealt with, the companies that I have dealt with, have always been really great. But we're not that far away from like the shyster people trying to take advantage of of the women who don't know anything about you know carpentry or electrical work or anything i think well there's also the thing of like you know i'm usually the one to deal with tradespeople, and you obviously are always the one to deal with tradespeople because i'm always here yep and i don't love being home alone with a strange dude in the house (laughs) yeah it's not my favorite thing to do so if i could have the choice of having a woman come over i would take it yeah, you can tell what a concern that is since they send me a text with like the picture of the guy and a whole paragraph about his hobbies and his family <laughs> so that, you know, I can feel good about having this strange man come into my house. Yeah. Before we move on from the carpentry conversation, I just I put a contender for the show picture in uh-huh, Slack. Uh-huh. I went to Amazon because I wanted to find some of these fancy screws that Meredith was talking about, and I did find them, but one of the competing projects or products, which appears to be some sort of um, sealant that you just dump on your floor to eat up all the cracks, came with a video that I did not click on, but just the still frame of the video was enough for me Uh with the man covering his ear in bed because a woman (laughs) has snuck off to the refrigerator in the (gasps) middle of the night. Well, that's a stereotype reversal. 
Yeah, I, I was afraid to click because I thought it was a video. Okay, no, wow. and then a close up of her foot on the wood floor, right where it's. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, now I can click on it because I know it's not going to start a video. <laughs> the wood floor is right? diming her out. Yeah, what is. <laughs> is she eating? Is, is that cold pizza? Oh, I can't tell. It yeah. looks kind of like cold pizza, or like a cinnamon roll. Like it's sort of a yeah, raw chicken breast. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is so annoyed. That's me at night, every night. Yeah, I'm like, go to the bathroom now, so you don't have to get up in the night and <laughs> walk across the floor. Like it shouldn't be that. Yeah. <laughs> you I assume be able that's to also you holding in your eardrops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. They really got me pegged. And with that, maybe we'll go to the mailbag? Let's. Sure. All right. Um, first, I'll do one um, actual bit of email we got that I think we got last week after we recorded last week's show, which was from listener Justina, who sent us a picture of a bag of Fruit Loops jelly beans, which I believe she found at a CVS. Um, our worlds are collapsing in on one another if we get a cereal that is also an Easter candy. I gotta say, ugh, ugh. That was my visceral reaction to that photo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Fruit Loops don't have a great like flavor. I don't think no. on their own. I would agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I love jelly beans, um, but I, I'm a sucker for original jelly beans. I do wonder if the if the uh, jelly beans have different flavors because Fruit Loops do not. Correct. Right. So. It's just Gross. one giant bag of candy that's sort of gummy of the same flavor. Because that's half the fun of jelly beans, right? Is Yeah. 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 Parsing out which flavors you like and which flavors you don't like. I'm yeah. going to have to go to the store after this now to buy. Uh, there's a CVS a couple of blocks from the apartment here. I'm going to have to go buy Fruit Loops jelly beans and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And you will stop eating carbs after that. <laughs> yeah. Quite the list. We also asked you this week. <laughs> Your question of the week to tell us your favorite cake. We're recording a little early this week. Doesn't matter because we still have just a cavalcade of favorite cake. Yep. So here is your cavalcade of favorite cake. <clears throat> Jennifer says chocolate chip bunt, of course. I don't know why there's an of, of course. course there, but it's of course. Duh. Bet says, I love a good. <laughs> I, I ha- we cannot stop for commentary or the show will never end. <laughs> Beth says, I love a good white cake with whipped cream and macerated berries. My favorite part of the cake is the top. I always snack on it when decorating cakes. It's the, the perk of being that. Uh, nope, can't keep. Will McQuillan Shh. says, cheese, frozen. Cheese cake, not cheese. Nope, right? Well, he only wrote frozen cheese. cheese. He likes frozen cheese. Oh, okay, well. Diana says, before Sunday's episode, I would have said the Pioneer Woman's Tres Leches cake with raspberries instead of maraschino cherries because gross so very authentic but it's honestly delicious however now and lundholm i'm thinking the cook's illustrated angel food recipe might <clears throat> take the cake diana nice can you share it and you did so if anyone's looking for that recipe go to this thread and see that under diana's post on the cake of the week i did share it and by by the by i know we have to keep going but diana you look so gorgeous in your maternity pictures that I saw today or yesterday. So congratulations Aww. on that. Congrats. I did not see them. And even if I had, that would probably be a weird line to cross on the show. So thank <laughs> you for saying that so that I wouldn't or didn't. Uh, Linda says spice cake with caramel buttercream frosting. 
Mm. Spicy and sweet. I like it. Lane says, I don't come across it often, but I love Boston cream pie, parenthetically, which is a cake despite the name. Otherwise, carrot cake with cream cheese frosting or German chocolate cake. So, Lane, you answered the question three times over. <laughs> Bobby, explain Boston cream pie. Uh, how, how, is... how do you dare to call it a pie? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the name of the origin of, like, I, I, it, it's from a famous hotel in Boston where they invented it, thus Boston cream pie. But I don't know. Why do we call cheesecake a cake when it's not a cake? Why is it not a cake? Because it's set like a custard, not a cake. Or, I bake uh, mine in the oven. You bake a lot of things in the oven that aren't cake. Fair point. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth says, despite what I just said, cheesecake. I like the ones that have five different flavors. Ha ha. Which cheesecakes have... are these? I think he's thinking of the ones where like, you you get them at the grocery store and it's the variety pack. Oh, where there's like oh it's the like different, different slices. slices. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I ten, think I've told the yeah, yeah ten slices. I think I've told the story before of my friend who worked at the, a cheesecake factory and he came in complaining about it. And we thought he worked at the cheesecake factory and then he he explained no he worked at a cheesecake, a factory. cheesecake factory a cheesecake <laughs> factory yes and it was the kind of factory that made those variety pack cheesecakes. Uh, listener Gregory writes funfetti with funfetti frosting. Because he's eight? It's true. I make it for him for every birthday. And oh, Will so noted cute. that that's called a Prozac cake. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. And Miner says, I don't think I'm prohibited from saying birthday. Well, I mean, okay. And answering the question slightly differently, but uh, we didn't say not to. True. And speaking of people who answered it differently, Rosemary says all of them. Cop out. Fair. Cake love. John says cake with buttercream frosting uh i meant to look up the name of this bakery uh boracini boracinis yeah. in seattle uh and this is an unfortunate time for christy to not be on the show this week because she cites that this cake's cake this bakery's cake is uh the inspiration for her life motto never wait for cake mm. so there you go Kristen says i like icing buttercream wasn't the question, but thank you anyway. <laughs> Amanda says yellow cake with chocolate frosting. And I know you didn't ask, but the worst cake I ever had was this incredibly beautifully decorated chocolate cake from a bakery that my family got for me for my birthday, which is right before Christmas. And it had freaking spearmint flavor. No, in it. no, 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 no. Who does that? No. It tasted like toothpaste. It was years ago, but I'm still mad at that. Is that like cake. intended to be like a mint chocolate chip kind yeah. of thing? But that's peppermint. We can discuss spearmint. Yeah. No, 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 no. Donate the cake, hate the baker, Amanda. That's just cruel. Uh, Emily, Emily says Texas sheet cake chocolate with pecans in the frosting all day. It is good. Texas sheet cake's a whole different animal that we should get into one of these. I know we've we've touched on it before, but that's that's a it's a whole different uh it's a different side of the cake tree we haven't even explored. Jeans has pineapple upside down cake. Good choice. Mm -hmm. Big pineapple upside down cake fan. Katie says tres leches, but only if it comes correct. <laughs> Better watch it. Cake. That's right. <laughs> you best not miss tres leches. Uh Amy, um uh, I um I'm gonna butcher a Yep, that's correct. 
And Anne makes a wonderful one. I made one for Amy once, and she yeah. brought when she brought her daughter to the um, St. Paul American Legion show for TBTL. That's when I met Amy for the first time, and I brought them a soccer torta. And <laughs> her kid was about five at the time, and basically like sat down with the cake and the fork. <laughs> you brought her a soccer torta, and she brought me a a bowl of racist cheese dip. Oh, that's right! She oh, brought yeah. me one too. <laughs> Extremely racist dip at the time. And it was so good, Meredith. Delicious, yeah. That's what I hear. <laughs> I know Sacra Torta. I, I can't but this is you know what it was, the hyphen wasn't in there, but also I just brown burgundy it. That's fine. Bree okay. says my great grandmother's chocolate sheet cake. I have the recipe in her handwriting framed in my kitchen. Oh, I love it. And it's a cake we can't none of us know how to get, so you've just made us jealous and you know. An unfillable void. Sean says, carrot with buttercream frosting. My wedding cake. The marriage didn't last, but I still love that cake. <laughs> so you got something out of the marriage, Sean. <laughs> yep. Uh, Julie says, chocolate cake with homemade chocolate or vanilla buttercream. Simple, beautiful. I love mm-hmm. it. Laura says, almost all cake is wonderful, but I have to go. But I have to go with my great Aunt Marion's chocolate cake. It's our family birthday cake and a chocolate dream. You know, all great Aunt Marians are good bakers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a prerequisite for that name. Carolyn says, <clears throat> get a long one here. My grandmother made a cake for celebrations that we ended up calling the cake or birthday cake because she always made it for my birthday and my uncle's birthday. It was a two-layer chocolate cake from a box which honestly, a lot of commercial bakeries use mixes, mm-hmm. top with this amazing bright white frosting that was set more than a regular buttercream, but had a richer flavor than a seven-minute frosting, and topped with coconut shavings. I have been trying since her passing to recreate this frosting. I heard recently about something called Swiss buttercream, so I'm going to try that next. Well, it sounds about right. It could be a Swiss buttercream. It reminded me of, Anne, have you ever made like a boiled milk frosting? I have. Like the, is it called ermine, ermine frosting? I know that's like a rodent, but it's also a kind of icing <laughs> and, for some reason. And ermine is a, in the weasel family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But oh. that reminds me of this a little bit because I think it kind of is that same oh, texture. Oh, yeah, it looks, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe you've solved Carolyn's problem. Carolyn, let me know if you need access to New York Times cooking because I got a good recipe from them. <laughs> Light, fluffy, <laughs> and not too sweet. Also called roux frosting or boiled milk frosting. Hmm. Yeah, I guess because you make a roux out of flour and milk instead of flour and butter. Oh, and then this further down, this is sugargeekshow.com. A little further down, it said this frosting does not have eggs in it, so it's a fantastic alternative to Swiss meringue buttercream if you want a light frosting but can't have eggs. So it sounds like it's in the same family as Swiss buttercream. Yeah. I've definitely made this before. I did not know that it was called ermine frosting. All right, weasel frosting it is. Barbara says, <laughs> yellow cake, chocolate frosting. There are so many people that love that combination. Yeah. I, I yep. didn't even know that was a thing. Like, yellow cake? Oh, oh, all right. And then yeah. somebody requested I make it for their birthday once. And I was like, It's oh, made with fresh yellow. Only when yellow's in season. <laughs> right. The rest of the year, it's shit. But when I mean, yellow's you... that, 
that two week window in the spring when the yellow is blooming. Yeah, you can make it? it with canned yellow, but it's just not the same. <laughs> no. Now, my grandmother, you know, Great Aunt Marion would have never made it with canned yellow. Been a sin, except during the war, but that was a right. situation. That was for the troops. Yeah. Right. Yes, and uh, Kelly says the Silver Palace coconut cake, white wine in the batter is the secret. And there's a link to that recipe. Huh. So the uh, the last one we got to before recording tonight is straight out of hour four of the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably right, though. I'm sure it has something to do with the way it evaporates. It's like using booze for your cake, uh, for your yeah. pie crust. Like there's yeah. some sort of alchemy or, there. Yeah, that. when you make beer beer batter bread or whatever. It does add like a depth of flavor. Yep. We answered this. We read everybody's answers. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out what my favorite cake is. Oh, God, no. I think it's an impossible question. Yeah, I don't think I yeah. can choose. What are you, what are you the, talking the about? The most recent cake that I had probably is my favorite cake. <laughs> <laughs> Until your next one. Yep. Yeah. Now, our wedding cakes, as famously, were from Wegmans. They were, like, not the sheet cakes, but... Oh, my God. Of, I take the, your Wegmans fandom, Bobby. The, the so white, a white cake with white frosting. And it was so good that we just bought a bunch of them and put them on the tables. But you love Wegmans so much. Why don't you marry it? You know, for legal reasons, if they would incorporate in Delaware, I would. <laughs> Uh, and then I also just thought, I haven't had it in a while, but um, gooey butter cake, like the St. Louis style gooey butter mm. cake, just a fun, it's not really quite a cake, it's more of a bar, but. Yeah, I made, the recipe was called a gooey butter bar, but I don't, it, it didn't really work out very well for me. I think I had to try it again. It was more gooey and less bar. Right, you're trying to make something that is uh, uh, in, intensely, awkwardly dense and yeah, you're making something that is not right. Yeah, I think I didn't really understand what it was supposed to be, so it was kind of hard to achieve it. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, keep sending your favorite cake. Something tells me we can't stop you, even if we wanted to. Like I said, we're recording a little early this week, but the conversation is ongoing. Recipes are being posted. We're all getting fatter. It's great. I love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. If anyone has a no-carb cake that they can post for, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, there are tons of those on, like, no, yeah, no, online. You. They're like, two ingredient cakes, and I'm shut up. One of them's avocado. Go away. Right. <laughs> or banana. It's, just, it's an aspect. Yeah. Excellent. Is it time for medium talk? I believe it is. I sure Insert hope so. Insert church music. Um, there's a cat yowling. I have the window open because it's like the first warmish day of the year, and I hear a cat yowling outside. I think that means there's going to be kittens soon. Yeah, is it that tomcat again? Probably. I thought that meant it was six more weeks of spring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please no. My allergies are not going to enjoy that. I know. It's brutal. We are here to talk. We gather here today (laughs) (laughs) to talk about our family Easter traditions and how churchy we were. And we don't have much of a structure here. So um, I think we should just kind of just kind of throw it all out there. And I'm going to go first because I am doing medium talk. Um, I was baptized in the United Methodist Church when I was a baby. And my mother was pretty religious. Um, she went to Christian schools growing up oh. and always went to church. 
Um, we didn't go to religious schools, although my brother did go to Catholic school, but it was only because he needed that amount of rigidity. <laughs> uh, he we needed a, a nun with a ruler. <laughs> he really did. I mean, they tried to send him to, to Montessori and he just was overwhelmed and couldn't handle it. <laughs> so he went to Catholic, which is like the polar opposite of Montessori, I think, is Catholic school. Um, so we went to a United Methodist church that was literally down the street from our house, which was really nice because we could walk there, um, from like age zero to five. Um, and it was a beautiful church. Um, I have fond memories of Sunday school there and fond memories of when I was too old for Sunday school, like walking around the empty church during service when I was bored, I would just be like, I have to go to the bathroom and then just wander around the church and go to the bathroom and like pump out all the soap onto the counter. I was a little jerk, but I thought it was fun. Um, I like that you say that there is a feeling knowing that everybody else is in the sanctuary paying attention to something and that you kind of have a little free roaming time. Yeah, and that church looked like a castle. So it really did feel like you were roaming around in a castle, like an empty castle all by yourself. So you could get up to no good. And God was in the chapel, so he wouldn't notice. Right. Get up right. to he no was good. Distracted. Like, no no good in this case being pumping all the soap hot onto yep, the counter. That is the worst thing I remember doing. <laughs> and I felt really bad about it. Um and then we kind of stopped going when I I don't remember when I was maybe six or seven and my best friend was, was, was a devoted uh, Christian reformed church member and her, her whole family was And Christian reformed church is um, a very West Michigan thing. I don't know how well known it is outside of that area, but it is a, it's a Protestant denomination and it's based in the Dutch reformed church. Um, and it's, it's, uh, very Calvinist and it's actually, you know, Grand Rapids is the home of Calvin college. Um, so, and that is the, basically the seat of the Christian Reformed church. Um, there are roles like when I was doing, when I was looking at ancestry, that was where I found a lot of the Van Harns in the, the Calvin college roles. Um, and you used to, I think you had to be a member of the CRC to go to Calvin. I don't know if that's still the case, but you used to have to. Interesting. Yeah. So I used to go to church with her and I did that until I was like 12 or 13. And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't actually believe any of this. (laughs) And I stopped going. (laughs) (laughs) And that was kind of the end of my church going life. And I don't even really go on holidays anymore. I mean, not really. I just don't. I don't at all. I haven't been to church in ages and I don't even know where I would go if I wanted to. So... That's the end of my religious life. Just just a drift now? Yep. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, do you want to go? Go next? Sure. So I grew up very much in the church. Uh, we've mentioned it before in time here and there, but um, Episcopalian. Um, I'm not sure entirely why Episcopalian, except that it was the closest church to the house I grew up in. And I do sometimes wonder if when my grandmother bought that house and there was an Episcopal church around the corner, she just said, we're going to be Episcopalians now. (laughs) Episcopalians out of convenience. Well, I kind of, yeah, because she was married in Canada and, uh, you know, grew up Anglican, 
because the Canadians don't really have Episcopalians, at least they didn't back then, because it was just the Anglican Church in Canada, because it was basically England, right? Mm -hmm. So, moved to the U.S., and uh, we don't really have Anglican churches, for the most part. We just have Episcopal churches, because the Episcopal Church was formed around the same time as the American Revolution, Mm -hmm. and decided that they wanted to be democratic. So, they basically built a legislature, and elected leaders, and voted on all their rules like like a little religious congress and so Episcopalian and so when I was growing up we started going to church when I was I, I mean I was baptized at the church near the house and then we didn't go a lot until I was four or five and then we started going again and I was immediately dumped into church choir junior choir at like five years old which is how I ended up with a love of music so that was cool that worked out for me right and, of course, uh, the Episcopal Church is basically Catholic light for people who are not familiar. Uh, women can be priests. We don't hate gays. Uh, but <laughs> uh, nice. but although that is a bit of a conflict, I mean, when that was decided, some Episcopal churches were like, hey, now, whoa, that's a step too far. Um, not mine, thankfully. And so, uh, you know, it's sort of like if you took Catholicism and then not, toned it down a little bit and got rid of all of the exclusionary parts, more or less. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, same teaching, same prayers, basically the same same prayer book, except, you know, we go light on the Latin most of the time. And uh, I grew up in all of this. So Christmas, Easter, these were the big days. These were, these were uh, you know, there was music, singing, organ different groups playing chimes, bells. I was an altar boy, which we call an acolyte in the Episcopal church, which is nice because it doesn't have the immediate connotation of altar boy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was lighting and stuffing out the candles and carrying the crucifix and uh, assisting with the uh, readings from time to time. And as I got a little older, I would do more and more of that and uh, also do some, some, uh, assisting at communion you know giving out the tasty wafers and Mm, helping people sip the wine and stuff like that and uh my grandmother and i've mentioned this before insisted that i would be the first episcopal priest elected president of the united states (laughs) (laughs) no pressure oh grandma so i've let my late grandmother down on so many fronts uh, but it really was such a large part of my childhood. I, I often tell folks that it took a village to raise me, and that was the village that helped raise me. So um, I'm I'm still friendly with, we don't stay in touch like we used to, but um, my priest, who was, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the full exorcism. He was a young priest when I was young, <laughs> and now he's an old priest. <laughs> um, but he had, um, he had just come to Good Shepherd, the church where I... Uh, Good Shepherd's like the Smith of Episcopal Church names, by the way. There's Good Shepherd everywhere. Yeah. Uh, He had only been there a couple of years when I started coming around regularly. And now he's still there. And I occasionally go back there and Sam and I were married there. And so uh, we sort of, I like to tell people we grew up together in the church. You know, he grew up as a priest and I grew up as as a member of his flock. So, you know, we were pretty close. And when you're a single, uh, you know, a single child growing up with a single mother, definitely some male role model hole being filled there and all that good stuff. And we did all the Christmas stuff I, I and all the Easter stuff. I was lucky to have a really great music director who had a, an organ performance degree and loved doing choir and taught me piano in high school. And so we did all of it. I mean, we did, you know, 
massive sections of uh, Messiah every Easter, which is when you're supposed to do it. And, <laughs> not Christmas. Uh, not Christmas. It's Easter music, damn it. And uh, yeah, so I, I got the full church experience and it made me a better person. Uh, and it also, as I got a little older into high school and into college, um, the hypocrisies of organized religion became much more apparent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the reason I was so eager to get married in that church was because of the family around me who helped raise me through it, but a lot less because of the structures of religion. And we occasionally go, like, if we're back in Webster on a Sunday, we will go and visit with Lance and Karen, our priest and our our music director. And, uh, you know, I, I have a place in my heart for it, but it's more for the family and fellowship community side of it and a lot less for the uh, the the structures. You know, the morality I have... A very little problem within that church because for the most part I'm aligned with it. But um the uh the uh the the way some people take it just so literally never resonated with me. But that was my childhood. Um you know, youth group, choir, uh playing hide and seek at the church. My grandmother was a church volunteer, so we had keys to the church. We would be over there all the time for stuff. And uh yeah, I mean it was really, really a major part. I mean I, there's I, I don't think I ever seriously considered it, but uh, it would not have been surprising to anyone had I decided to go to seminary. Mm. So uh, glad I didn't just from the cursing alone, I would never make it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to turn to my colleagues and my boss the other day and say, I really need to start swearing less. <laughs> I'm really bad. <laughs> even in the office, even around people. But uh, yeah, I it wouldn't have surprised anyone, I don't think. So very is the answer to how churchy we were. Mm. Um but but thankfully less culty, I think, than a lot of people's church experiences, I think. Well, that's good. And then, of course, also, yeah, bunnies and Easter baskets and all that stuff, too. I mean, we, we did all that. But um, maybe we'll do family traditions on the next pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to uh, break in here. I just Googled my old church and I learned that it is, um, it was chartered. What? The char the, the the like Boy Scout troop that Gerald Ford and Roger Chaffee were members of chartered this church. What? I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> didn't know that Boy Scouts could make charters. I didn't either. But Gerald Ford was a member, and Roger Chaffee, who died in Apollo One, and the the planetarium in Grand Rapids is named after him, were both in Troop Two Fifteen. Oh, hmm. wow. It's chartered organization. Trinity United Methodist Church is a Michigan historic site. Oh, hmm. very cool. Yeah. Uh, good advice there. Just like just like a new model of iPhone. Maybe don't get the Apollo one. Yeah. <laughs> Let people work out the two. kinks and then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Ann, you go. All right. Uh, so I would uh, call myself moderately churchy growing up. Bobby, some of your experience rings very true to me. We are a Lutheran family. I would still consider myself wow. Lutheran, even though My I... cousins in Christ with the Episcopal. Yes, <laughs> I, I am not, in fact, religious anymore, but that was a pretty... Strong part of, you know, my identity growing up. Uh, Minnesota is the land of the Lutherans, away from, I guess, Scandinavia. Scandinavia is not even really very religious anymore, I don't think. But for people who aren't uh, familiar with Lutheranism, like Bobby said, the Episcopals are Catholic light. 
uh, Lutherans, well, Martin Luther in particular, back in 15, whatever, 90, I don't remember. Oh, boy, my confirmation pastor would be disappointed in me, (laughs) um, decided that he was not into this sort of angry, vengeful, uh, punishing God who required you to pay your way into heaven. And so he split off and created the Lutheran Church uh, based on grace through faith, meaning that you just have to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you will be saved. You don't have to do the rosary and go to confession and all of that. That uh, Catholics believe that you needed um, a priest to be the, I don't know, intercessor with God. Like you talk to the priest and then the priest talk to God. And Martin Luther said, I don't think we need the middleman here. I think we should be able to talk to God ourselves. So that's essentially the uh, difference. And Lutherans can come either in a conservative or more liberal flavors. And thankfully, we were part of the more liberal branch of the Lutheran church. Although I wouldn't say... Like, we're not having any pride parades, but we don't have a problem with gays in the Lutheran church. Like, we just don't really talk about it that much. Like, love people as people, but we're not going to make a political thing out of it. Anyway, uh, grew up in the Lutheran church, except uh, for when we were living in England, we went to the Anglican church because. And then when we were in Switzerland, we also went to the Anglican church because there was one Anglican church that spoke English and had English services in the city. Mm -hmm. So that's where we went. You know, you do what you need to do. But my church experience then was uh, Sunday school and kids choir and vacation Bible school and youth group and confirmation and church camp and all of that stuff. But I never really considered myself to be religious kind of like I think how um evangelical baptists probably wouldn't consider me to be religious because I'm not living my Jesus truth all the time it seemed like there was very much a separation of church and state in our house like on Sundays you went to church and you did all of that but we didn't well we always say the blessing before dinner but we didn't pray or have talks about religion or anything any other time it was pretty siloed into uh the church times and the things that you were doing church church things and um i continued that way i even went in college a little bit there was a very small lutheran church that was not far off campus that my roommate and i used to go to she was a lutheran pastor's kid so she was equally um, familiar and used to going to church, and so we used to go to that. But I would say it was in my mid-20s when I had the realization that I didn't actually believe, and I don't think I ever did. It was something that I just accepted because it was presented as fact. And I remember being a little kid and spending a lot of time trying to puzzle it, like, how did Jonah survive in the belly of the whale for three days and three yeah. nights? That doesn't <laughs> seem like a thing that could actually happen. And, you know, didn't whales have digestive juices in their stomachs and all of that stuff? So, like, my little brain was trying for a long time to make sense out of all of it. And I just was sort of like, okay, I, you know, I guess this is just what we do. 
was my attitude until yeah. I realized that it, you know, I had just been, yeah, like I didn't, I wasn't even faking it all those years. I just never really even th- thought about it. So I didn't believe in it, but I don't know. So here we are. I occasionally went to church with my parents, just like Bobby said, you know, the community is nice, although I'm not actually big into people and I didn't know a lot of people in their church. I don't know. They switched, they switched churches after we all uh, were out of the house when, when they weren't having to shuttle kids to and from church activities multiple times a week, they went back to the church where they met in Minneapolis, which was a little bit further of a drive. And so I don't really know anybody there. And so I enjoy some of the parts of the church service. Like I enjoy the singing. Obviously, I like the ritual of the liturgy. I like tuning out during the sermon. (laughs) Um... I, I'm going you know, to give Father Lance credit for that. The sermons, <laughs> which we call homilies in the Episcopal Church, I think just take the edge off the word sermon. Those were always really good. Like he was so thoughtful. My part was, my problem was when everybody tuned out in the, um, in the sort of recited, memorized prayers that would make mm-hmm. me really angry because people were clearly just not even processing what they were saying every week. Right. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yep. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayer. Um, (laughs) so I, like, I don't mind going to church every once in a while just to like make my parents happy and just to have that experience of connectedness with a group of people. But, um, but I haven't been since well before the beginning of the pandemic. And I, and I, and I think I was a, not even a, Christmas and Easter person because we never went on Easter because it's just a madhouse on Easter. But you and we wouldn't go on Christmas, but we used to go to Christmas Eve service quite a lot. And I I think we've talked about it before on the show is that I really do love the candlelight service on Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. and everybody gets candles. And at the end, everybody lights the candles and you sing Silent Night and I sing the harmony on Silent Night and then I cry and... You know, that's like a very nice uh, experience. I do have uh, fond memories of that, especially, I mean, getting to stay up really late is fun <laughs> when you're a little kid and you get to play with fire that you're not supposed to. Right. And so then after fun. the service, um, my dad would like drive us around the neighborhood and we would look at all the lights on the houses for a while, try to find the houses with the really good Christmas lights. And that was always fun. And even when we were older, when Matt and Carl would come home for Christmas before they were shacked up with ladies, uh, when it was just them coming home and then the three of us would jam into the backseat of the Volvo station wagon. Let me tell you, there was not an inch between those hips. Poor Matt always had to sit in the middle because he's the <laughs> super skinny one. But <laughs> it's a good thing there was we never got in a car accident because there was no buckling those seat belts. Um, but it was really nice to go back to those old, you know, family feelings and family activities like that. So I think Bobby, you and I are really pretty uh, similar on the way that we feel about that and the the community and the memories and uh, all that stuff is what you know makes me happy about church 
And you know, you were saying the thing, like the the logical things that kind of made you go, "What? This story mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense." The thing that, <laughs> the first thing I can remember thinking like that was, um, "Father, Son, and Holy Ghost," and I was like, "Why, Dad told me ghosts aren't real." <laughs> How can it be three things and ghosts aren't real? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the whole struggle of do you interpret the Bible literally or figuratively and all that. And I, yeah. so in college, that same roommate who was the pastor's kid uh, took a course called the historical Jesus talking about, you know, the historical accuracies and inaccuracies. And she had a copy of the Bible through that class uh, that I thought was very interesting because any place where they thought, yes, this is the word of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth said these things, they would have the text in red. And if they were like, "Mm, it's plausible that he could have said these things, but we don't know for sure they would do it in pink. And if they were like, no, Jesus never said this stuff, they the text would be black. And that kind of blew my mind because it was the first time I really considered that, you know, there there might be some debate over the Bible. I mean, I knew there were different versions of the Bible, but... You know, I never really thought about which books do we include, which books do we don't include. The Bible is written by people with the biases that people have and living in the times that they did. You know, that was really an interesting <laughs> thing to talk about. Be like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. All this stuff that is just presented to me as fact has academics debating over it. So let's rethink this some of this stuff now. It makes so much more sense when you think of them as, you know, learning stories, stories yes. of the message and not meant not that are not meant to necessarily be taken at face value. <laughs> right. And I, and I think it gets confusing because there are the parables in the Bible, which are specifically meant as learning tools. Right. But then <laughs> to realize that maybe there's a larger umbrella that uh, quite a lot of it could be uh stories and not technically real um it's very interesting to grapple with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well you know at some point the catholic church had to lock down and say fact is fact and we're telling you what fact is and so that that complicated a lot of things but yeah yeah i took a i took a great college class um called um bible is literature and it was taught by a professor who had been sort of built this curriculum and had been teaching it for years and years. I actually just pulled her. I wanted to see if she was still teaching it. And it looks like she's taking a break from teaching that, but is currently now teaching an elective called Heaven, Hell, and Judgment. Ooh, Ooh interesting. Yeah. And we read the entire Bible in a semester uh, and then broke it down as literature. Yeah, it was a lot of reading. Um, and I also took a course... Also, yes, this professor's name is Diane Christian, by the way. She's just a nice touch. (laughs) I mean, what else could she do with her life? Uh, And then I also took another class that was mainly about the Gospel of John, but also touched on the other Gospels. And we had a copy of um, a comparative Gospel book, which took the four Gospels and um, ran them down four columns of the page. And so anytime the stories were the same, covering the same ground, they were side by side by side. 
And then there would be sections where three of the columns might be blank because only one of the Gospels mentioned something. And they organized it chronologically. And so it just showed you how far apart so many of these stories were. Yeah. In the way they were telling things and conflicting with one another. I mean, it was fascinating. But it's it's not fascinating from a story of fact. Although earlier I was thinking that if Mythbusters didn't do an episode on Jonah and the belly of the whale, that would be really... A- <laughs> You're really good. Let's get a kid in here in a fake whale stomach. Yep. I mean, yep. was it like Pinocchio? <laughs> he was in the whale? Yeah. I mean, how dare you start to question if some of these stories might have drawn from similar origins. Oops. <laughs> Maybe a magical <laughs> ghost put a force field around him. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah. Yep. Mag- magical ghost that was good enough to keep everybody alive, but not good enough to say, stop the floods or the plagues or yep. whatever. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. And yeah. then when you get to the point, when you understand a little bit of mo- more about, I-, I don't know, zoology and you realize that there's no possible <laughs> way that Noah could have put two of every animal on the ark. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Elephants. <laughs> I know it didn't stop him from building that ark somewhere in the South. Where is that? Mm. Was that Kentucky? Mm, Arkansas, maybe? probably. Or... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, wait, what about insects? Were the insects on there? Well, wait, what about all the birds? And you're like, how big was this ark? It just yeah. really kind of falls apart when you he start built to an think ocean about liner. It. it was a carnival cruise line. It was Ooh. huge. Had a pool Williamstown, for the fish. Kentucky. It's at the address is one Ark Encounter Drive. Oh, God. Williamstown, Jesus. Kentucky. And it's it's listed as being life size, so I guess life. I, 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 I mean guess there we'll are have to measure, there are measurements in the Bible like it is like how many cubits, cubits. it is or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah well, that's... don't get me started on the inaccuracy of cubits. <laughs> we all know what that means. <laughs> I it's probably a little too deep to title this episode. Don't get me started about the. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a perfect. I don't know. Title. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's cubit are we talking about are we talking about dr ruth's cubit or kareem abdul jabbar's cubit because they're gonna be different the average cubit you're right um i think we should move on to easter specific family traditions yes we should um and i don't have a ton of them honestly but we did easter baskets until we were like embarrassingly old i think my mom (laughs) stopped doing it when i was 35 (laughs) Well, and actually, she did it for so long that I'm now kind of like sad that I don't get an Easter basket anymore. I I would say this is years ago now, but I was in I was in my late 20s. Okay, I know how it happened. But I think Carl and I were over at my parents' house before Easter. And my mom said, guys, I just, I want to let you know that I don't think the Easter bunny is come, coming this year. Oh. <laughs> and I said, Wait, just because we're 29 and 24, the Easter Bunny stops coming? And she sighed and got this look on her face. But God damn it, the Easter Bunny came. (laughs) Maybe I should try that. I do remember, you know, when we were really little going to church, my mom made all of our dresses. And um, she would, it it was very rare that my sister and I were, were like matching, but 
sometimes my mom was uh, is a very talented seamstress and she would make clothes for us and sometimes it was out of the same fabric or it was the same pattern but different colors mm-hmm. and so she would make us special Easter dresses that were Cute. like you know mine had little blue flowers and Ellen's had little pink flowers but they were the same design the same pattern just different sizes um, and so I do have vivid memories of really cute dresses and and wearing like frilly socks i loved anything frilly and my mom hated oh, it oh yeah those so, little girl ankle yep. frilly socks yeah mm-hmm. so any chance i, I had I to do that those. yeah i was into it and cute yeah i have i have a very clear memory too of um do you guys remember those toys that went around your ankle and you jumped over it like you swung it in circles like, and jumped they oh called? sure skip, Hop- it. skip it skip or something yeah I got one of those in my Easter basket one year, and it's not always warm enough in Michigan on Easter to, like, do outside stuff, but they would always get us, like, chalk and, you know, stuff like that, and I remember getting that one year, and I was really, really excited about it, and then I just, like, came in with just fully bruised all the way around my other ankle because it would just smash into your foot every time if you didn't jump exactly right, so that was a fun one. You gotta I shoot myself. It is skip it, not skip yeah. those. Skip those. Yeah, the yeah, card yeah. game. Yeah, and it was often like the 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 day that we would start riding our bikes if it was nice enough out. That was that was the first day we'd pull out our bikes. Um, kind of the start of like get out of my hair, go play outside season. So that was mostly what was in our Easter baskets. <laughs> <laughs> what a great transition, the uh, biking thing, because as I've mentioned to you offline. Uh, we did Easter baskets. We never really did an egg hunt. The Easter money did always manage to come to my house, uh, until I was, uh, probably too old for the Easter money. I believe I've told the story before about the time Santa Claus left, um, lipstick on the milk glass that was suspiciously the same as my grandmother's cheap lipstick. Hmm. Um, they wear the same brand. And so that was, um, a life moment for me. Uh, and I think it was at that moment that, that all of Santa's, um, uh, Union buddies. <laughs> that that all came to me at the same time. Let's just put it that way. Um, but the Easter money one year uh, outdid itself, himself, herself, itself. Let's go with it. Anybody can wear lipstick. I mean, yeah, he, he well, usually wears a vest, right? So I assume. I mean, any any number of ladies can wear vests, but it's typically a more masculine. Sure. It's a very, it is a very smart male look and it's usually some sort of denim. Um, the Easter bunny brought me a bike. My, I don't know if it was my first two wheel bike. Like I think it might've been, I was very young. That makes sense. Yeah. And, um, it was kind of a shock that the Easter bunny would bring a small mountain bike to a young boy. Um, but I later, that's a big gift. Our Easter stuff was like usually little little right like cheap plastic toys and candy and and me reminding my mother gently once a year that i don't like white chocolate (laughs) gosh if there was ever a holiday for white chocolate why is it why yeah well you know bunnies are white bunnies are bunnies are white sometimes bunnies why can't we just stick with the good Yeah. why can't we get a nice delicious milk chocolate bunny that's all i want (laughs) i'm not asking for anything fancy here i'm not expecting expensive chocolate a palmer brand milk chocolate bunny will be just fine ew 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 bobby not now but six-year-old bobby do you think you give a shit Okay, okay, okay. No, not now. No, now I'm very picky. Now I will not eat cheap chocolate. It's not worth the hassle. 
I mean, it, like 90% palm oil, that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know. Uh, yes, the Easter Bunny brought me a bike, and I think I later found out that it had something to do with the Easter Bunny having, or the Santa Claus having a, a layaway snafu. And so... <laughs> I thought maybe was, the Easter Bunny got their tax return or something. Yeah, exactly. It was a make good <laughs> on something that I'm should sorry, have come a little sooner. Refund, not return. Right. Yeah, it's always the refund check. It's always, or the refund uh, gift card, debit card situation from H&R Block. So, yeah. uh, yes, the Easter Bunny helped uh, patch over a rough Christmas. Uh, church, definitely Saturday night or, and or Sunday morning. Um, just, yeah, Saturday night, just like Christmas Eve, Easter Eve, we would do the Easter big mass call mass service, whatever. Um, and I would usually be singing and working it. So like I would be in the choir or on the altar or running back and forth between the two, uh, for several years. Um, yeah. And then all the pageantry so that, you know, going back to the church stuff, but like, that's where we really got out all the pomp and circumstance was like the extra flowers and the extra nice outfits and all that family Easter was very mellow. Cause my family was just not ever fancy. Like everybody just came over in whatever they were wearing on a Sunday otherwise and very traditional uh, dinner, maybe even a Turkey, even though it was Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving. But like well, we always, always just, did a ham. It was like so, yeah, ham. like you some had to. some sort of some sort of thing. My uh, my other grandmother, my my late grandfather's second wife, Marge, was not much of a cook, and so one year with Marge, we did all go to like a like a Holiday Inn buffet brunch thing, and I just growing up relatively poor and loving food and also just overwhelmed could not help but find a takeout tray somewhere and just pack it to the gills <laughs> on the way out. Just could not, not do it. Uh, instincts that would stick with me to this day. But now I probably would just think to myself, wow, so many people have touched that food. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, very low key for the actual family part. And then I will say the one thing is we have a peeps obsession. We always have in my family Every year, peeps on the table, carving them up, doing peep surgery, putting them in awkward positions, <laughs> making Franken-peeps, or rather Franken-peeps monsters. Uh, Franken-peeps monsters is also a good show title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one of those things, yeah. I don't know. My aunt and uncle and I just always bonded over that. So there would, there would basically be peep sculpture contests going on during dinner. You know, your music stuff reminded me that later in my childhood, I wasn't going to church anymore, but I was in the youth chorale and I played piano. And so there was always a an Easter concert of some sort, whether it was a piano recital mm -hmm. or a choral concert or both. Um, and those are pretty big deals. I, I, I was in the, the choir at St. Cecilia Music Society in Grand Rapids and... We did lots and lots and lots of shows, um, but the they were it was a lot of religious music, um, and of course a lot of the the concerts were centered around Christian holidays. So it was uh, it felt kind of like church, even though it wasn't. Yeah. Well, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years, almost all of the enduring music was written because it was paid for by the church. Right. Right. So it's really hard to. To celebrate uh, so so many eras of great music without singing the uh, 
the sacred music because that's mm-hmm. kind of all there was. Yeah. And? Yeah, I was just thinking about <clears throat> music on Easter. I do love Easter church music. It's good. But I, I'm thinking that I seem to remember doing more things around Ash Wednesday for my own performances rather than at Easter. The Lutherans love the brass at Easter. Get your brass quintet or something up in the choir loft and let it go. And so my brother Carl plays the trombone. So he has been in many a brass quintet on Easter morning, um, which is kind of cool, you know, sort of fun. Except that I always listen for the poor French hornist to fuck it up as (laughs) 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 they always do. (laughs) I would not play horn for all the tea in China. Even the pros screw that up <laughs> on the regular. Um, yeah, it seems like there's not as much fanfare, pun intended, around Easter as there is around Christmas. Because it's not connected to the secular shopping season in the right. same way, right? So you don't have that same kind of buildup and pressure from secular society as you do. Um, but definitely a lot of consternation about what church service we were going to go to because, you know, you got to get there early. Like you got to be hanging on the, to the door handle of the sanctuary. The second people start coming out from the previous service or you're not going to get a good seat Mm -hmm. and getting a good seat is what it's about at church. Well, God's got to see you there, and if you're in the back. That's true. It doesn't count if God can't see you attending the service. But we would always have Easter dinner and the ham. Um, I don't remember, like, frilly Easter dresses or bonnets like you talked about, Meredith. I don't think my mom was so into that, and I was really not into that either. Um, But we would just... Uh, wake up and search for Easter baskets. We didn't really do Easter baskets. We just hid eggs and they weren't actually eggs. We basically, the Easter bunny would had the plastic eggs, you know, the ones that you could split in half and they would put jelly beans and Reese's cups and whatever other Easter candy in there. I like, um, like sweet tart bunnies and ducks and chicks. That's a good Easter candy. Mm, that is a good Easter candy. Yeah. Yep. And so then the bunny would hide those all around the house. I can't. I feel like it was uh confined to the first floor and the non bedrooms. So they're not hiding any in the downstairs. They're not hiding anybody anything in anybody's bedrooms. But so it was those plastic eggs full of candy, and of course. The Cadbury cream eggs. There was also a bunch of those. And so we would be in a frenzy. And I always, you know, I hate having to share candy. And I wanted to be like, if I find the most, I get to keep them, right? No, whatever. Um, We did have some fun stuff living in Switzerland, chocolate capital of the world, around Easter. Because you would go to the grocery store and the chocolate displays were incredible 
there um, talking about how bullshit white chocolate is. But some of those Easter bunnies looked so cool. And some of them were huge. I remember my German teacher got as a gift. I swear to God, that chocolate bunny was two feet tall and you needed a hammer (laughs) to break through it. And he brought it into class because, you know, to school because he wasn't going to eat it. And so we got to like break the bunny up (laughs) in class and eat that. But Easter chocolate in Switzerland is truly astonishing. I really miss that. But apart from that, the nice Easter dinner, my mom always decorates the table with jelly beans. She has cute little like ceramic um, bunny containers that they're hugging uh, an egg and she would fill the eggs with jelly beans that would decorate the table. And then she likes to scatter um, free form jelly beans on the tablecloth, like around the plates and around the centerpiece and stuff. And so there's a very, an element of... How many jelly beans can I sneak off of this centerpiece before she realizes <laughs> that I'm eating all her decorations? I like that a lot. She still does that for, does she do candy corn at Thanksgiving? I don't remember, but that's something that she likes that I like because it's candy. But other than that, yeah, it's there's not a whole lot of buildup to Easter. But other than the ham, there's always asparagus. I have to buy the asparagus this year. And there's always like scalloped potatoes and I don't know what else. It's really the ham and the scalloped potatoes is what I care about. So um, we'll be having that. I guess we will have had that by the time this episode comes out with my mom this year. I think my mom and my aunt and my uncle. So we're kind of getting back to a little bit of the holiday dinners post-COVID, almost post-COVID. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I got to make the dessert. Like I said, maybe I'll remake or make another angel food cake because that's such a good Easter dessert. It does seem like very Eastery. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, we, okay. Well, that. Sorry, Bobby. I was just thinking, yeah, we didn't really mention what we're doing this year. I mean, Anne just touched on it. But, you know, Sam and I are doing very little. She's coming to Albany. She's running a half marathon on Saturday because she's an overachiever. And then. Good God. Sunday, I haven't decided yet. I'm either going to cook. I've inherited some of the Polish traditions from her. So it'll be pierogi and fresh Polish sausage. And that's all good. I'm happy to do all that. I didn't grow up with it. And then, you know, some ham and some other things. Uh, That's a tradition that I can get behind. Polish sausage. Exactly. Fresh Polish sausage boiled and served with mustard and whatever. I don't Mm -hmm. even like mustard, but that's one time I'll do it. Good mustard. Um and uh, or we'll just go to Texas Day Brazil because they keep emailing me telling me that they have reservations available for Easter brunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about Easter brunch. Yeah, we've yeah. done Easter brunch any number of times. Yeah. I don't think we I, my mom. Well, I hope she hasn't invited me over because I don't know about it. If she's doing a dinner, then I don't know anything about it. Um, we haven't done anything as a family for a while. Um, and my friend. Jocelyn is in town this week and um, she asked if we could please hang out as much as possible this weekend because she's staying with her in-laws. So she Mm. needs an escape and she's Jewish. So she probably didn't even think about Easter and that's fine. (laughs) So I'm doing nothing, (laughs) maybe getting a pedicure or something. (laughs) Well, let me ask you guys this. What's the Cadbury egg status in the house right now? Ooh. Yeah, actually. So this is a good transition, isn't it? To uh... true. 
It is. Easter treats. Um, I don't have any because I can't keep them in the house. I eat them. Um, <laughs> so I get them every time I go to Target as soon as they're available. And I get one of each. I get a caramel one, a regular one, and a chocolate one. Is that the three mm. kinds? I don't know. I don't know if I knew that there were three kinds. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this chocolate one. Like uh, a dark Maybe I'm chocolate? making that up. Or like it has a chocolate cream on the inside. Maybe I'm inventing oh, that. Oh, I mean, oh, oh that would that. make sense. Yeah, I'm sure they would be happy to sell that to you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't have more than one a day because I, I feel very ill <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> but I do love them and they don't last very long in the house. I'm seeing recipes for fried Cadbury eggs. Yeah, I just Googled it, and I, huh. I, that's Why? one of the things that came up. Air fried Cadbury eggs, and it looks yeah, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Sam sent me, while we were recording, um, the donut place in Buffalo that we adore, Paula's Donuts, is doing a donut right now with a Cadbury cream egg baked into it. Or fried into it? I guess fried into it, technically. It's donut. Uh, so. so these would be a non-ring donut. Correct. Yes. Okay. I'll see. If, I'll find it and I will share it to to you so that you can see what I'm what this looks like because watching one get ripped open was pretty impressive. I have a controversial take, uh, which is that I love a Cadbury caramel egg. I don't have any in the apartment right now. I may have to go fix that when I go to buy cereal and uh, other carbs. But um, I'm not wild about the Cadbury cream egg, and it may be a childhood thing. Like I thought it, as a kid, the texture of the filling was too grainy. Mm. It is kind of great. Yeah, the texture of the original filling is not super great, and it's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is, I feel like we've had this discussion before because I believe that Hillary and I are the gluttons who will <laughs> eat the regular cream eggs. Oh, I eat them. I just can't. It's, they're not my right. favorite. The caramel right. ones are my favorite. Right, right. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, what are you, you're not going to kick it out of bed. No, no, no. Regardless of how you feel about it. I can't remember the last time I had a Cadbury cream. I may need to buy one for science. For I'm looking science, at the, the Wikipedia and there are some amazing varieties. Canada had an Oreo cream. Huh. They hmm. made a ghost egg, which was the same as a normal, but without the yolk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Peppermint egg in New Zealand. Discontinued in 2010. You don't say. Uh, cream I am... egg splats. <laughs> I am fond of the little carton of the mini eggs by the dozen. Oh, yes. yes. Those are much more um, accessible, I feel like. The ratio is right. great. They're easier to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, but th- th- you do have to peel the foil. And the more foil peeling means more chances of me getting foil in my mouth. It's a lot of work, too. That's true. But no I don't know. eating foil. <laughs> well, I did buy a four-pack of regular and caramel when I was last at Target. That's going pretty well. I think I've eaten maybe three of them in two weeks. So um, gone are the days when I was so food deprived that I would fall upon cream eggs like a ravening beast. (laughs) Um, I did put them, most of them in the freezer, I think, because I love a good hard frozen cream egg. Trying to think of how that could be taken as dirty. But I don't think so. Good hard. There's I mean, no possible way. <laughs> I think I I think we just yeah. There's some some cutting and snipping and rebuilding, and then suddenly it says and loves hard cream egg. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's all done. 
but I have not bought any mini eggs this year, which mm. I would like mm-hmm. poured in my casket on top of me, my <laughs> theoretical <laughs> casket. <laughs> yeah, so when the natural gas kills me, guys, take note. Got Bury it. me with mini eggs. <laughs> this is the perfect season for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They'll be easy to find. Good timing. Yep. Mm. In college, one of my tricks was that I would make scones, RIP Mike, with the mini eggs in them. Oh. And I did make mini egg brownies once. Yeah. You could win over a lot of people with that. Yep. Well, that brings us to our question of the week, which is what's your favorite Easter treat? And I am very curious to know how this is going to turn out. Yeah. We intentionally are setting the net kind of wide when we discussed it. So it could be your Easter candy. If you want to talk about what's the Reese's it's Reese's eggs, right? Yeah. They don't, they don't do like Reese's bunnies or anything. Um, but Hey, but like Butterfinger bunnies, they Mm -hmm. do. So anyway, so it could be a candy slash chocolate, or it could be the dessert that your family traditionally has, or, or if you consider honey baked ham to be your Easter treat, then let us know about that, too. It doesn't have to be sugary. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be food, necessarily, but I don't know That's why true. it wouldn't be. I mean, yeah. Easter lilies. Can cats eat Easter lilies, Meredith? Or They're extremely toxic. That's right. That's what I thought. It's yeah. poinsettias. Are they toxic? Those are also yes. very toxic. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, all yeah, the yeah. seasonal flowers. And no mine will come up with an answer that's not food. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I do love an Easter lily. I love all the extra flowers in the church on yeah. Easter. So maybe if that's the thing that trips your trigger, let us know about that too. Yeah. yeah. Bobby? On to T she recommends. You're playing the part of Christy this week where you forget. <laughs> I just it. I was I'm going down a I I'm going down a candy rabbit hole because I bought our Easter basket like three weeks early because Sam texted me one day and was saying and she just said I'm having a really bad day I need I need some Easter candy and it was I was driving back from Albany and so I just stopped at CVS and built an entire Easter basket. Oh, um, nice. uh, so two thoughts: one, um, peanut butter. Uh, the peanut butter eggs are basically just peanut butter Rorschach tests now. I'm pretty sure they're any shape you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I bought a York peppermint patty bunny, which I had never mm. seen before until this I year. I would eat that. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's impressive. Mm. It's well sculpted. Googling right now. Yeah. Anyway, Tishi recommends on theme for this uh, religious week. Uh, I do not watch a lot of TV. We know that. We've discussed that many times through the years. However, I made time uh, these last couple of weeks to watch the first two seasons of The Righteous Gemstones, which is on HBO. And it's a Danny McBride project. And I'm not crazy Danny McBride fan. Like, I know some people are really obsessed and I never saw Eastbound and Down or what's the other one. And I assume that they're all kind of the same. But um, Righteous Gemstones has John Goodman and a bunch of other great people in it. And it is basically spoof. Oh, and Walter Goggins, Walton Goggins, rather, isn't it? It's spoofing on um, mega churches and the these family hierarchies of priests, quote unquote priests, pastors, who run these mega churches and are making a big, you know, tons of money on it and are super rich and basically scamming people. And oh, it's a drama set 
well, it's not a drama, it's a dark comedy, but it's the story is set in telling the evolving story of this, this patriarch and his three kids running one of these ridiculous mega churches. And for years, because the show's been out a couple of years now, I always would see like the promos for this. The first season was 2019. Second season just came out. And I would see the promos and people would say, yeah, it's a really great show. And I was like, okay, so they're like lampooning on, you know, the Crystal Cathedral and these TV, you know, televangelists and... The Austins. Yeah, exactly. All that, all, that whole genre of... Excuse me, genre. Thank you. <laughs> yep. of, of sort of creepy, churchy people. Uh, okay, fine. But then one of my friends who is actually in a pretty evangelical world though he is not the typical of that world or else i don't think we can be as good of friends as we are uh he just sat me down and said no really (laughs) you have to watch it and i did and the plot is not what i expected and it's really good um give it a couple episodes righteous gemstones after watching the first couple episodes i ended up just having to watch the entire first two seasons over the course of like a week it's on HBO. I have got to tell you, this whole time I have been confusing this show with Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems. <laughs> <laughs> Not just today, but I think since their existence. I saw it on the list. I was like, I didn't think Bobby was an Adam Sandler fan. Why does he recommend this? My mind is blown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's really good. I'm, I was surprised how much I liked it and I'm, yeah. So there you go. And, uh, no one put their name on get involved. Should I just keep rolling? Do it. (laughs) All right. You can find us at our gorgeous website and our donation link that might work at this show has everything.com. You can join the Facebook group. This show has everything where you will find more cakes, recipes, Easter candy commentary, cereal commentary. We are so food obsessed. <laughs> Some things that aren't about food also occasionally bubble up there. Oh, Diet Coke's um, not food. The um, the show Twitter is Tishi Show, which I occasionally remember to post on. You can email us at Show at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice memo there. Uh, you can fax me your... Easter Bunny at 617-354-8513. And before we go, I have an announcement I meant to make at the top of the show, and so I'll make it now. And so just the lawyer, the loyal listeners are still listening here almost two hours in, and that is okay. Uh, and I will also post something on the Facebook page about this. And, and ladies, I know you know nothing about this because I didn't tell you about it. Sorry. Um, uh, our friend Jonathan, one of our most loyal listeners – uh is uh a little down in the dumps these days he's Aww, he's having Jonathan. some health things and uh, some emotional things tied up with that and he and i keep in touch pretty regularly and uh he he would benefit from getting some mail i think and so in and this is with his permission so uh, in the spirit of keeping, uh, as Jen Andrews would appreciate, the United States Postal Service in business, <laughs> if anyone is interested in sending a card or a note or something of that nature, crab rangoon, things of that nature, to uh, Jonathan, uh, shoot me a message or email the show. 
and I will get you his address. I just don't want to broadcast it because that's weird. I'm not going to dox him. But I know that he has given me permission, so I have his blessing to do this. Shoot me a note, however you want to get a hold of me, and I will give it to you. Just he could use some some positive vibes, as the kids say, uh, and I think it would be fun, and he thinks it would be fun to do it by mail. So uh, drop me a line. We'll get you his address. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're not going to... If you're not going to dive into the the love of our zombie risen Christ this week, um, the least you could do is look out for look out for a friend in the universe this way. I'm sure Jonathan appreciates being linked to the zombie risen Christ. <laughs> oh, we love Jonathan. Yeah. He's great. He's yeah. a sweetheart. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and happy Dingus Day! It's coming out on Monday. So, to all you Polish or Polish community folks celebrating. Happy Dingus All you Day. Dinguses out there. Yep. It's a great holiday. Uh, and on that note, that was uh, everything we had to say about church and Easter.